Um, <laughs> I will start by saying, of course, I'm very nervous, but I'm also very honored um, to know that um, Denise uh, saw something in me that um, and, and believes in me, and uh, God has done a lot in my life, and sometimes I, um, I forget that. And for Denise to even um, ask me to do this and helps me look back and, and remember where I have come from and uh, the baggage that I have lost. Now, I'm still dragging a lot around. Some of it I, I bring back again. But uh, I know how to get rid of it now and, and work through as my new baggage comes. Um, I wanted to start with a passage uh, in Matthew um, seven thirteen to 14. Uh, the narrow and wide gates. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. Um, I can tell you a whole lot about the wide road. Uh, I've traveled the wide road most of my life. Um, I'll start back with being a kid. Um, I came from a home where Normal was drugs and alcohol with kids in the home. You know, I mean, they would, they would smoke pot with us in the car with the windows rolled up, didn't think much of it. That's why I lost so many brain cells before I did it to myself. My parents started me out. So um, it was just, that was normal to me. I didn't know everybody didn't grow up like that. Um, our parents would have big parties. They had a, a tapper, a keg, and a tapper on the side of the fridge in the basement. Pool table, always a party which is great unless you're a kid that needs to get up in the morning to go to school. We'd write notes and be like, you guys need to be quiet. We have to go to school. We'd throw the notes down there, and the adults would read it and laugh. Ah, ha, ha. Turn the radio up louder, you know. So that's how it was. That was normal for me, I, you know. That was all I knew. I thought that's how everybody was. As I got older, I realized because kids weren't allowed to come play with me. Your parents do drugs. I'm like, what are drugs? You know, everybody doesn't roll their own cigarettes. Everybody's house doesn't smell like a skunk. I did not realize that. That was normal to me. Um, I hated it, though. Once I realized kids couldn't come play with me because my parents did drugs, I was like, I will never do that. I will, I will stay away from that. I'll never do that. How horrible, you know, my parents are. Well, it wasn't long until I decided that was the only thing I knew. What else was there? I had seen really hadn't seen much else besides that. that. Like I said, that was normal to me. So here I go on my own journey. Um, I get to high school and I want to fit in. I don't feel much love from my parents, um, so I'm going to find some love. I'm a young girl. I'm thin then, about 105 pounds. And sure enough, I found some guys that would pay attention to me. I um, was only 14, just a couple years into high school, and I was going to find my place. I was going to fit in. And I thought drinking would be the way to do it. So I got myself um, drunk enough that I almost died. Uh, I was in the hospital. Um, before I made it to the hospital, um, I was at the party that I drank at and was sexually abused. Um, don't even know by how many people, but it was, you know, that kind of situation that I put myself in to fit in. And... Uh, after that, there wasn't much fitting in. I go back to, to high school. Well, first I get to go to rehab. I'm 14 and I go to rehab. And um, my parents were alcoholics and drug addicts. Why am I in rehab, right? A little bit of resentment there. Um, but I learned a lot there. I learned what all these drugs were that I'd never done before. I'm like, hmm, this sounds interesting. 
So I leave rehab a little confused. Um, some of these other drugs they're talking about sound good, and maybe I should try some of those things. And uh, it took me a while, but I did venture out, and you know, besides just marijuana, and from there it just it just snowballed. Um, when I left rehab and went back to school, everybody knew what had happened, and I was you know called lots of fun things um, through a lot of. Probably just my freshman year. I think it kind of faded after that. But, you know, to walk down the hallway and people are yelling things at me, you know, it was, you know, a lot of shame, you know. And I I carry that with me sometimes now even. I kind of go back and think of myself as that, that young girl that didn't know any different. I know that's not who I am today. But if I see someone from school, I'll think, you know, that's what they think about me. But I know that's not what God thinks about me. I have been... Um, God has cleansed me. That's in my past. That's not who I am today. All the baggage that you have, if you learn from it, it's great. You do something with it. But don't keep it and and label yourself and believe that's who you are. That's a lie. That's not who I am today. That's not who I am today. Um, Then I met Jason. I was still 14, but it was, you know, after rehab. And... (laughs) I was 14 and he was 16. We've been together since then. I'm 33 now. Um, So mom never taught me anything about uh, being pure, uh, saving yourself from marriage. Never knew anything about that. I turned 14. I think my mom just assumes the right thing to do is put me on birth control. I'm like, so that means I should be having sex, right? All my friends were starting to have sex. That was the wide path. That's where I went. So that's that's how I started. Um, look back now and see some of you young ladies who save yourselves for a pure marriage. And it's just, it's beautiful to see. And the, the strength that you have in doing that, that, that God, that God gives that to you. It's just, it's beautiful. I, um, it's something that I, I value highly when I see that in others and wish it's, wish it's something that I'd had for myself. You know, you girls aren't missing anything anyway until marriage because, you know, your body's not even ready for all that. You know, just wait and let yourselves mature and you'll be ready. Right, girls? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're immoral. Um, we are, you know, my mom would let Jason stay in my bedroom when I was 14. He would sleep at our house. He was supposed to sleep on the floor, you know. No moral compass. I had nothing to go by, and I just went with the flow, wide road. Nothing else. I learned nothing else. I was just going with what I learned. Um, So then we start. um, When I went to rehab, I hadn't done any drugs yet, okay? I just got really drunk, and I had to go to rehab where my parents were going to be um, charged with contributing to the delinquency of a minor or something. They were going to charge my parents with something, so off I go. Get out of rehab. Um... Didn't use any drugs, didn't drink for a while. And then Jason started smoking, and I didn't realize, you know, smoking pot, and, you know. And it took a while for me to catch on, and he's like, oh, I'll just try it. You know, and I'm like, my parents did it. I hate it. I'm not going to do it. It's nasty. So I go for it. And from there, you know, from there, the, the sky was the limit. Um, there was nothing that, that I didn't do. A heroin is really the only thing I can tell you that I did not do. Um, I was scared of heroin. My mom was a heroin addict before she had us girls even. I have two sisters. And my mom cleaned herself up and was not um, a user as we were growing up. I'm very thankful that um, she was able to to stop doing that. 
But here I am repeating the cycle. I said I was not going to do drugs, so here I am smoking pot. 21, I have Tyler, um, my oldest son. I'm going to quit smoking then, right? I'm not going to do drugs and be a mom. That lasted a couple months. And before you know it, uh, Tyler's in the back seat in the car seat, and we're crossing the state line to get a couple pounds to bring back to sell. That's a real good mom. That's what I wasn't going to do. Could have lost my son forever and uh, followed the wide path. That's what I did. Still had, really had no one around showing me any different, teaching me any different. Um, I meet a young lady who's now known as Summer Black. That's my summer rushing. And like Summer said, she was 15, and I think I was about 23. And she was my neighbor, and I knew her mom a little bit. We worked together, her mom and I. And we would go on walks. And I don't know even how we started walking together. But Summer and I would walk and talk, and it was great. And then she asked me to drive her to a, a teen event gate. And she tells me, you know, I just need a ride. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a ride. I'm home all day. Um, and I'm selling drugs to Summer's brother, okay? And Summer knows this. Summer thinks I need God. I'm like, hmm. Summer thinks I need, what makes her think I need God? I keep walking with her. She keeps talking about God. She says, you're not freaking me out. You know, I'm not freaking you out, am I? No, no, Summer, you're not freaking me out. I'm like, Jason, Summer keeps talking about God, and she's really freaking me out. <laughs> I can't walk with her no more. That, that's it. I can't walk with her no more. I don't know how long it took. I don't know. I, I feel like I came quick once I got over the shock of the whole God thing. But um, when I got to church, and I sat down, and they started to sing, And I heard those songs, and it broke my heart. I wept, and I wept, and I knew this was where I needed to be. There was a different way that I had never known about. Everybody didn't live like my parents lived, and I had learned how to live. Thank God that a 15-year-old would speak up to a 23-year-old. You young girls don't think that you're just young girls and don't have any, any power. God is powerful in you. And don't, 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 uh, don't keep your voice down. Speak out. Speak out. So I'm sitting at Greater Alton. I'm weeping. I'm loving it. And I start to learn how to deal with all my baggage and realize that I can still be a good mom. I haven't totally blown it. Um, I, can, I can change. I don't have to stay that way. I can get onto that narrow path. And um, there's a passage in Proverbs. Um, let's see. Proverbs 14, 13 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. That's the path I was on. It did seem right. It was all I knew. How refreshing to see that there was a, a manual to learn by that I didn't know about and that everything I needed to know was here, that I could be cleansed, I could get a second chance, a third chance, I can wake up every day and get another chance. Like I said earlier, I'm not the person. Those things I did are not me. It's not me today. Um, Katie, how do I make the time show up so I know how long I'm talking? Do I touch it? I'm good. Just keep it. It's it's sleeping. Um, As um, in my Christian walk, of course, I've stumbled. You know, I've. Um, we quit selling drugs. Uh, Jason started to come to church with me after a while. 
we started to work through, through some things. That him and I being together from 14 on, you know, imagine we grew up together, really. Now I've been with him longer than I was at without him. You know, it's uh, quite, the, quite the dynamic there. Um, for us to be able to change couldn't happen without God and his power and his people. I think of all of the women who have helped me see my baggage and to help me see that God is the only way to change those things. And through my wonderful sisters, I have been able to change a lot of ways. I used to be the most negative person in the world. Now, it still creeps up. You know, that's one of those baggages that, you know, I'd like to leave behind, but keeps coming back. I have sisters who see it in me when it creeps out and point it out and get me heading back in the right direction. But I want to I talk a little bit about um, some things that uh, more recently have been in my life. Um, I had a special double blessing of twins. They were quite the surprise, okay? (laughs) Two is quite the surprise. My son was eight, and it's like, whoo, here's our surprise, okay? So that's been, you know, it's great. They're they're fantastic, but if anybody knows, two at the same time, same age, life's crazy. Um, Right before then, Jason got laid off and, you know, has been pretty much laid off for about three years. He's in school now, but, I mean... Immediately, it didn't take long, maybe about a year into being laid off, that he was like, hmm, we could make a lot of money if we sell some drugs. I'm like, um, no, not going to pick up that old habit. Uh, yes, you can make money. I'm not paranoid anymore. I'm not worried about what the neighbors think. I'm not worried about Tyler growing up the way I did, kids not being over to come and be able to come over and play because we're, we're bad people. He's an innocent child who deserves the best from from life, and I'm not going to be the one that takes that from him. Um, so we put into that. God made a way. Jason's in school. We're just holding out. It's going to be a couple rough years, and, you know, God is going to make a way for us to have a, an income to support our family. We haven't been hungry. You know, God's taking care of us. And um, I want to talk a little about my mom. Um, my mom just passed away on September 19th of this year. She, uh, like I said, she was a heroin addict when she was young. This is an example of if you don't deal with your baggage, uh, where life will take you, okay? Wonderful, wonderful woman. But she was a a wounded heart that never, never received any help or counsel. And uh, she was very, very hurt. Didn't feel loved. And... uh, she started drinking. We call it she went born-again teenager because she wasn't like this. They drank on the weekends and the friends were over, but my mom wasn't an alcoholic like my dad. They, when they got divorced for the third time, okay, to the same to each other, you know. Yeah, I'm staying married, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm staying married. Um, mom went born-again teenager. Um, she had a weight loss surgery and thought life would be great. She'd be thin, life would be great, and... The opposite happened. She began to drink on a daily basis, um, use drugs, became disconnected from all of us kids. My sister was only 12 when she, you know, went on her merry way. But um, I don't believe she knew much of another path either. Her mother was an alcoholic. Her mother didn't take care of her. So there it repeats. Her mother had baggage she never dealt with. My mother had baggage she never dealt with. And praise God that I found a way to deal with my baggage and that that's not the path that I'm on. Um, my mom got really sick in May and, uh, we got her to the hospital and 
worked really hard to find a rehab. I don't know if any of you have ever struggled to find um, help for someone to get, um, to get real help. I mean, I know God made a way for to her to get where she got. Uh, we had family that stepped up and paid for it because that's, you know, <laughs> It's quite, a, it's quite a burden. So she went in in May, and I'm, I'm very proud to say that from May until when she passed September 19th, she was clean and uh, had a great relationship with her during that time. I'm so thankful that I had that time with her. But I know that if she would have people in her life like I did to show her a different way a long time ago, you know, May was good, but her body was already too damaged, you know. She, she, just her body was too damaged. But I just praise God that I have women and I have a church that are able to show me the right path to go and that that's not my future. I don't have to worry about Tyler, you know, losing me when I'm 33. My mom was only 54 when she passed away. And, you know, you guys think that's old, but when you turn 30, 50 is not old anymore. You know, it kind of changes. Your perspective changes. Yeah. So I guess really that's it. I just want to say that I... I feel like I have used a lot of things in my life, and I want to encourage you to not, don't hide your baggage, you know, don't leave it hidden, get it out and work it out. I think that we all have things that we need to work on that we continue to hide that keeps us from growing today by not getting those things out in the open and dealing with them. That's it. Thank you. Hello. Oh, yeah, I'm on. <laughs> you can turn me down. I'm loud enough. <laughs> okay. I'm Katie. It's going to be really hard to follow that up. Chelsea did a great job. Um, oh, for everyone that knows me, I'm pretty emotional, and I'm probably already going to start crying. Um, Chelsea did talk a lot about um, before, coming, before becoming a Christian and just dealing with that baggage before you become a Christian. I'm going to talk about living in sin after you become a Christian. Um, and just a lot about how, like Chelsea said, you, you can't hide that baggage. You have to check that baggage and get rid of it. Um, you're not going to be able to travel far. not going to get very far when you're hiding sin, when, you're, when you have all that excess baggage. Um, um, with a lot of my testimony, I'm going to kind of break it up in a couple categories. Um, basically talking about how living in that sin made me feel. Um, this different effects it had on me, um, what I had to do to get rid of that sin. I had to repent. I had to completely turn around. Um, and all the repercussions, the consequences, but also the blessings as well, which I will end with. So that's the greatest part. Um, I'm a little nervous. Um, I had the nervous runs this morning. I couldn't get off the toilet. So, um, I yeah, it was bad. It, I mean, <laughs> I know. I did, So if I bolt out of here, it's because I have to go to the bathroom. But um, I'm okay. But um, I do want to um, start off with, um, I thank my friend Hannah because she's a good woman, but um, kind of with this metaphor. Um, so say you were traveling down the road and um, 
you see some hitchhikers on the side of the road and you're traveling, but you have this dead body in your trunk. And it's foul, it's disgusting, it stinks like skunk and poop. I don't know. It's just disgusting. Um, you're traveling down the road and you see some hitchhikers and you were like, oh, I want to pick those guys up, but I don't want them to know about that dead body. I don't want them to smell that disgusting foul coming in the trunk, coming back from the trunk. Um, and you're hiding it. Um, that's exactly how my sin makes me feel. You know, I had this dead weight on me. I had, um, basically, you know, a dead body on me. Um, I, you know, I was trying to hide something that I didn't want anybody to find out about. I didn't want anyone to know. Um, you know, I tried everything to cover up my tracks. For three years after I became a Christian, after I started coming to the crossings, um, I was sexually immoral and I was very dishonest for three years. Um, who knows the story of David and Bathsheba? Who is it? Yeah, can anyone give me a brief overview? That's not scared, Julie. I know you wanted to. Oh, Okay, good job, Julie. Thank you. Um, okay, so with David Bathsheba, it's in Second Samuel. I'm gonna kind of, you can turn there, but 11 and 12. Um, basically, like Julie said, David was the king over Israel at that time, and his army's getting ready to go into battle. But he doesn't go; he stays back. And he does. He sees this woman bathing, and she's like, "Wow, she is hot." You know, whatever. He orders for her to come over, and before she came over, he did know who she was. He um, he knew that she was. Uh, Uriah's wife, who was someone fighting in um, the army of um, David. So she comes over, um, they make love. So she goes back, She get, or David gets orders back that says um, Bathsheba is pregnant, and they're going to have a baby together. Um, so what does David do? He freaks out, and he tries to cover up his sin. He knew he was guilty, and he had to do... He had to do something, right? You know, when you when you live in that sin, you're afraid to talk about it. You're afraid to get it out. You try to cover it up. You think of ways and to try to get around it. So he did. He um he tried to cover it up. Um, turn to Second uh, Samuel 11, verse six through 15. I'm just gonna read it real quick, but you can turn there. Um, it says. <clears throat> Okay. Okay, maybe that's not what I wanted. Just kidding. Okay, well, I'm just, it's in there somewhere. I'm going to go ahead and just give you another overview. But um, what he has, uh, he sends for Uriah to come home because he um, wants him to come home and spend time with Bathsheba. So he comes back to think, um, he basically David wants everyone to think that it's um, Uriah's, Uriah's son. But he comes back. He doesn't end up going to see Bathsheba because he says, well, that's not fair. That's not fair of me to go and spend time with, you know, my wife when everyone else is in the in the army fighting. So he comes back. Then he, so, um, you know, David is upset. He's like, what do I do? So Uriah goes back, and he sends orders with Joab, which is his, like, commander in the army. He says, you know, have Uriah be at the front of the line and, you know, get, 
you know, get shot down. And so he is, and he's killed. And um, basically, you know, with that sin with with David, I think, you know, he felt guilty. He felt that shame. He, I'm pretty sure he felt lousy. And I can really relate a lot to um, to David. Um, you know, with that sin, I felt so guilty inside. I felt so ashamed of what I was doing for three years. For three years, I lived with just sin. Just I would, um, you know, specific instances, I didn't want to go to cell. I didn't want to go to cross chat. I didn't want to go there because I knew it was time to be real. It was time. And I felt like such a hypocrite. You know, I would go and just sit there and make up. You know, I was in, well, I was in the youth group at the time. Then I moved up into the campus ministry. And I, I was with Carrie and Hannah. And, you know, that was hard. It was hard to sit there and gonna probably cry but you know it was hard you know that's what sin does you know it makes you feel lousy it makes you feel guilty and I sat there and um I made up lies I made excuses you know every time I saw a prize I said oh I'm probably not reading my bible but never once did I say well I'm having sex with my boyfriend you know I would make up you know just crap um I uh at the time I was studying the bible with girls you know I think I had Three studies with Hannah. Um, I actually studied with Stephanie. I studied with Nicole. I studied with, I can't even think of what else. But they are here, and I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> um, you know, I studied the Bible with those girls. I sat there, and I said, you know, don't sin. Don't, you know, don't have sex before you're married. Don't lie. Don't do any of these things. And here I was telling them to do those things, and I wasn't. Um, I felt like crap. I felt, um, you know, I, I wanted to run. I wanted to leave. I didn't want to be there. I, um, it was hard. Um, I had a lot of physical problems. I got sick a lot of the time. I actually um, developed an ulcer because of all that stress of just running around trying to cover up my tracks. Okay, I don't want to get caught here, so I'm going to cover that up. Um, I don't want to get caught here, so I'm going to cover that up. You know, I developed an ulcer. I was sick all the time. I was in the bathroom. And I promise this morning was just nervousness. It's nothing. <laughs> but I was, you know, I was nervous. I, I didn't. I just, I felt, you know, so scared, so lonely. Um, I, um, there was multiple times when I did think that I was pregnant. Um, you know, obviously having sex, you think to get pregnant sometime. And, um, you know, I wasn't on birth control or anything, um, you know, and I'm sure I was not trying to get pregnant, but, you know, stuff happens. Um, so there were a few times when I felt pregnant. I was like, oh, no, what do I do? I remember, you know, just crying, being so alone. Um, so what what was I going to do? I was by myself. I had no one to talk to. No one knew my crap. No one knew that I was messing around. No one no one knew anything. So I was so I was so alone. Um, I was afraid. Um, I don't know. I was scared. I I was really really scared. And um, you know, I had these women in my life, these men in my life, uh, Carrie and Hannah, who I was in the cell with for a real long time, and never once. You know, I, I think I, for a while, I had wanted to say, okay, or maybe I'll get caught, so, you know, then it's just easier or whatever. But, um, you know, I never, I never said anything. Um, so after that three years of just all the lies, the guilt, the shame, the dishonesty, the lying behind people's backs, the saying, hey, I'm really this, the going, um, the one that kills me most is, I guess, going every Sunday to church and worshiping. Uh, who was I worshiping? I wasn't worshiping God. You know, I was worshiping, you know, what I wanted, you know, the simple, the simple things that I wanted. Um, but I did, after those three years, um, there came a point that I did want out. I didn't want to be stuck in that sin. Um, I was tired of it. I was tired of the, 
the guilt, the shame, the loneliness. Um, it's kind of like with the, those hitchhikers on the side of the road. You know, you're driving down the road, and it's like you want so badly to dump out that dead body so you can just pick them up and put them in your car. And that's what I wanted to do. You know, I, I wanted to get all that crap out of the way so I can change, so I can move on, you know. And, you know, I don't know. With You know, it did come with, um, I remember specifically, you know, there's a lot of specific instances that I remember. But um, there was one time, you know, we were sitting around or whatever, and we were talking about how um, there had been someone, I don't even know, but whatever. This person had basically been a, a hypocrite for a while, and they kept saying one thing and did another. And like, I think I lost all color in my face, and I was like, "That's me. That's that's me. That's not this person. That's me. Like, I'm the one that says one thing but does a completely another." And, um, you know, I ran home. I remember back to my dorm when I lived at Blanton, and I just cried, and I just cried. I just, I wanted out. I wanted, I wanted to have you know, deep, intimate relationships that I looked around me and I was like, that's what it's like. I want that. I don't want people to have to guess who I am. And um, so what did I have to do? I did. I had to confess. I had to be open. I had to get it out there. Um, as hard as it was, I didn't want, you know, you know, I still remember the day when, you know, we called Karen Hannon and went to the basement. Oh, my gosh, it was it's pretty rough. But um, I'm so grateful, you know, I had um, people in my life um, um, in Acts 3.19, in the New International Version, it says, Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Um, you know, it is. It's about repentance. It's about confessing your sins. It's not too late. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll, for three years, I said, oh, I'm coming to church. I'm going to crash. I'm going to sell. And it took me three years. It's not too late. You know, ladies, you have to be open about your sins. You have to confess them. Um, and along with David in Second Samuel, let's hope I have the right scripture this time. Um, Twelve, thirteen. He says, then David said, or then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, he had to repent. He had to confess that. And um, you know. I think a lot of times, you know, with repentance, people think, oh, you know, it's here, you gotta repent to become a Christian. You know, after you become a Christian, repentance is still a serious, you know, you don't, you don't just stop repenting after you become a Christian. You have to constantly repent. I mean, what, every day you may lie or you may, you may sin and you have to repent of that. And that's, and that's something I think, you know, we're gonna have to constantly do without our, throughout our journey with God is to repent. Um, repentance was a decision I had to make, um, followed by, you know, godly sorrow and then through a changed life. Um, it doesn't just end with repentance, you know, with that godly sorrow. Um, you know, I had to be sorry about it and then I had to change it, you know, with my life. Um, I had to allow people into my life, which was really scary for me. Um, for three years, obviously, I no one knew who I was. Um, no one at all. Um, I had to allow people in my life. I had to show them who I really was. I had to say, well, this is me, and I, I hope that you still accept me. And when I did that, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. They loved me even more. And that's the thing that blows me away is that, you know, I think about, you know, my relationship with Hannah or my relationship with Ashley or the girls in my life, and, you know, they forgave me because God has forgiven them, you know, and it wasn't an option. And, um, you know, I did. I had to be completely but ugly, honest, open. You know, I had to be an open book. And anything they wanted to ask me, I had to be honest with them. And, um, you know, I studied um, scriptures on repentance like crazy. Um, 
after that, I had to go. I went back to my dorm at Lindenwood, and I would study the repentance study over and over and over again. And I just, I, I wanted, I wanted to change. I wanted to be different. And um, James five sixteen says, "Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another." Um, you know, I think that's so important, guys. I think um, anything. You know, it doesn't just say confess your sins to God. It says be open with each other to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Um, you know, I think, um, and all through, like, the repentance of, you know, studying and praying and being open um, came so so many repercussions. Um, there were definitely some consequences, um, some hard ones at times. And But I also had a lot of blessings as well. Um, let's um, go Second Samuel 12, 14. It says... Um, But what you did caused the Lord's enemies to lose all respect for him. For this reason, the son who was born to you will die. Um, you know, just like David, he had consequences. Um, his, you know, army, they lost respect for him. You know, and, and what ends up happening is, is God takes away, you know, their baby um, that Bathsheba was going to have. And just just like him, I did. I uh, had to gain a lot of trust, a lot of respect back um, from the people that were closest to me. Um I specifically remember Hannah um, one time saying to me that she couldn't trust me at all. Um, she said, um, um, "I know, I know, it was hard for Hannah, but she had to be really honest with me. You know, she had to call me. Out. You know, with with that sense of guys, you need people in your life. You need people that are going to get up in your face and say, you know, what are you doing? I it took. I I know that was hard for Hannah, but I needed her to tell me that. I needed her to tell me I can't trust you. You know, I I don't believe what you're saying to me. I I don't trust anything that you're saying. And that was really hard. You know, it was hard. And I think." That was just something I had to go through with my sin. Um, I remember, um, you know, one time, too, I I came over to Karen and Hannah's, and Hannah and Jess and Nicole were, you know, just sitting around and stuff. And I, I walked through the door, and I just saw them. And, like, it's like, which isn't bad, but I knew they, you know, were obviously talking, you know, about me and stuff. And I was like... I knew I'd hurt, you know, them a lot, and it was hard to walk in there and sit down and start all over again, you know. It was really hard. Um, sorry. <laughs> but they did it, and they fought for me. Um, I had to build those relationships all over again. I had to start from scratch, you know, with Hannah, with Jess, Nicole, Ashley, with... Melissa, all those girls, they didn't know who I was. It was so fake, you guys, so fake. How does it feel to live a two-faced lie? How does it feel? Because I know some of you guys do it. I know you guys say one thing but do another. It makes you feel like crap. And I had to face the women so much who poured so much into me and tell them. Um, I did. I had to start all over. Um, start from the beginning. Uh... <laughs> I think from from all this, like looking looking back and just different things, I think I could say there was a lot of hard times. It was hard. I I had to fight through a lot of things. I had to fight through being open. That was that was like foreign to me. Oh, what what's it mean to go and tell someone your life story? I don't know that. I don't I don't talk about myself. Um, it was hard. You know, it was hard to be but ugly, honest, open with people. Um, I was afraid of that rejection because all my life I had I'm. 
insecure and, you know, didn't think, you know, very highly of myself or anything. And um, it was hard. It was hard to say, this is my crap. It was hard to be honest. Um, but I had to fight through that. I had to fight through Satan giving me them, feeding me those lies. And, um, you know, from all that, from looking back and it, when I was doing this lesson and thinking about, like, it was hard. I would, I sat in my room at Stumberg <laughs> and there were times where I just cried and, but at the same time, I was so grateful. Um, I'm so grateful to be able to share this story with you guys. Um, I never thought that this would ever be where I was today. Um, there came a lot of consequences, and I think I'll still live with some of those for the rest of my life. But there came so many blessings. Um, I would never take any of that back. I wouldn't take back the hard times because I've learned so much of them. Um, I think now I know what it means to have like deep, intimate relationships where I can go and just say, here it is, here's me, um, without feeling that guilt, without feeling shameful, without knowing, oh, I'm holding in something or I'm hiding something. Um, guys, and that's all because of God. Um, I don't like um, through that. I remember um, sitting with sitting with Ashley. Um, I was at her house, and I remember just crying and just, crying so much. I didn't know what was going to happen. I felt so lost. I felt, you know, so confused. But I remember she told me, you know, to not give up, to hang in there. And one day, in a matter of time, you'll be sharing the story. And who the heck's going to believe her? But I didn't believe her. <laughs> but she really was right. And I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be talking to you girls if it wasn't for God. And if it was not for the people he put in my life. You guys, if you look around, the women around you, they are a blessing from God. You know, I think he put us in each other's lives to share, to confess, to be open, to be honest. And the relationships I have now, looking at my girls, looking at the women, just, you know, all around me, they've been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And I wouldn't, I would not be here without them. Um,